Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello, and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. Today's episode is a very special one. In fact, it was uh, about 13 months in the making. Today, we are celebrating a full year and change of Brave New Teaching. Amanda and I are, you know what? I'm not going to lie, guys. We're pretty gosh darn proud of what we've started here. Yeah, we are. Hi, my friend. Oh, and I do have to give a quick disclaimer. I apologize, listeners, for any uh, ambient sounds you hear. I am off-duty hours in my classroom, and we have painters right outside sanding the eaves. So if you hear things, there's no distress to be had. It is just an electric sander. But Amanda. (laughs) No big deal. Exactly. No big deal. I'm ready to celebrate. Are you ready to celebrate? I am so excited. I am too. So we wanted to start friends, listeners, colleagues, partners in crime with a little like year in review and just kind of go through where we've gotten to, you know, like where we started, where we are now. And then we've got some lessons that we've learned that we want to share with you all and just kind of reflect, right? That's what good teaching is. It's a reflective practice. So here we go. And I hope you guys can, you know, take from this episode, you know, you can kind of hear our year in review and the things that we're reflecting on it. And we would encourage you to do similar types of reflection on your own practice. And this school year, um, there are certainly things that I will never do again. Um, but there, (laughs) but there are lots of ways that this year pushed me and challenged me in ways that I hope I will be able to continue in the future. Um, so that you're going to kind of hear us organically go through this process. We have not over-prepared for this episode and, um, that was intentional. I mean, we really want to give you, um, 
consistently our authentic, real thought process through these yeah. things. And we're not the podcast that anybody's ever going to ask, like, sorry, you guys scripted. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty clear. We're like making outline go on the fly. Right. Like, but that's also teaching. That's our life. Yeah. And that's what we do. So yeah. Reflect well, along with us today. Let's, let's do it. Where shall we begin? Everybody, I'm going to take you on a little time traveling through our memories trip. It was a balmy day in December of 2019. Coronavirus was nary a a glimmer in most of our eyes because we were so blissfully unaware of what was about to descend upon our consciousness. And Amanda and I were on Voxer, as we are most days, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, as we, as we had been for a few months, because as most of you know, she is just outside of Chicago. I am in San Diego. We are friends that talk multiple times a day, and we were trying to figure out a cool project that we could do together. And we were like, ooh, we should do something with Shakespeare. Not going to lie, Shakespeare Teacher Festival attendees, Flat Shakespeare was born Yes, <laughs> of that conversation. It's true. Then that conversation turned into, uh, I don't know. December doesn't feel Shakespeare-y, not verbatim. I think it was me. I just yeah. don't feel shakespeare in December. What else do you want to do? And then we were like Shakespeare on a shelf. Like there was this whole. Yes, there was a whole thing. And then I'm not like, I think Amanda, it, like our conversation paused for a couple hours and Amanda goes, what do you think about starting a podcast? And I was like, in, I'm in, let's do it. Do and then it. we spent a couple of weeks figuring out what we were going to call it, had a few iterations. And then we started a podcast and we launched in April of 2020 on April Fool's Day. Yes. In year 2020. And we recorded our first three episodes in December, January, yes. when Marie and I both were honest to God, like on death's door, I had the worst strep throat of my life, like a, an urgent care visit strep throat. You were feverish and we were like recording and then going to bed shaking. Yes. And, and we then, pushed through so hard. And then there was the conversation later on once we figured out, oh, that's what was wrong with us. We weren't nervous <laughs> about talking on a podcast we were really sick. Like, <laughs> we were I like know. Oh, we nervous. What was wrong with us? And then we were like, do we re-record? Like, and then we, we listened back to it. Right. We were like, that was actually a fever dream. That was decent. Okay. We're <laughs> going with it. Yeah. <laughs> and basically what Amanda and I share and what we, we connect with many of you listeners on is just a passion for what we do and really seeing it for what it is, it being education, it being teaching, it being working with kids and working with colleagues and the triumphs and the despair and everything in between that we feel as educators and as classroom teachers. And we wanted a way to bring that forward and to be able to connect with uh, listeners. We also wanted to create a podcast that we wanted to listen to. Yeah. And so for those of you who have joined us on this journey anywhere along the timeline, we're hoping that that's what we are giving you and we're getting some pretty good feedback. So we're pretty sure that that's what you want. And like, yeah. And, and, and we do love what we do and that comes forward. But once again, like I said, it's not that we are blinded to what teaching is and what it should be. Right. And so oh, and I, I talked to so many people, you know, and one of the other things that I think we talked about when we were starting the podcast is we, we really wanted this to feel like, 
we were just your work besties chatting with you on a plan period, chatting with you in a PLC, um, you know, having meetings that weren't structured by a department chair. Well, I mean, except Marie is a department chair, but you know, they're not, yeah, structured. But I'm not that structured. So there's that, <laughs> you know, and, and we can be real about it. You know, I talked to my students about this too. We talk, you know, I teach American lit and we, we ask the question, you know, can you be critical of things that you care about? And the answer is absolutely. And all of that, we really just wanted to bring into a podcast so that we could have honest conversations about the realities of teaching. Because I think the the biggest reason we find ourselves frustrated or angry is because we believe in the potential of what we do. We believe in what education can be. And um, we hope that that's been helpful in your ears over this past year. And we don't plan to stop anytime soon. We have a lot of very fun uh, ideas for episodes in the works. We have some more ideas for, I'm just going to throw it out there, a coaching program. So brand new teaching, basically, as Amanda was saying, you started out going, you know what, let's have the conversations that we have in hushed tones in our classrooms or, you know, like that we have over the phone, but that a lot of teachers would be refreshed to hear and be able to connect with in a more open and a more transparent way. And that's really where being brave, trying new things and all things teaching, brave new teaching came from. And it evolved into questions of, well, okay, so if you're teaching that teaching strategy, where does that fit into your year long curriculum? And we had enough (laughs) questions along the lines of curriculum and curriculum planning and doing things in your own classroom that are suited to your students and the community which you serve and feel true to yourself and you can enjoy your job more than you don't enjoy it. And from there, we decided, hey, let's try a curriculum planning course for teachers. And so Curriculum Rehab, our course for educators was born of a lot of questions that were very similar in nature um, in that Amanda and I really sat down and talked like how can some podcast episodes answer these questions and then we said oh they can't (laughs) it's too much it's too much to put into a podcast and we have very similar philosophies and when we really sat down to hammer it all out we went oh we do the same things oh here's our methodology and now we can actually put it down where teachers can truly benefit from it. And that's where our course curriculum rehab came from, which we have launched a couple of times and it's going to be coming back very, very soon, which we're going to talk to you a little bit more about at the end of this episode, but it's just like crazy what happens in a year and how rewarding so much of this has been. I I think the, you know, we're going to, we're about to cue the music here in a second and kind of get into the the other part of the episode. But I think being able to go from becoming friends, starting a podcast, building a course, uh, launching a festival attended by over 2,400 teachers. I think Marie and I have found not that we're that awesome because we're pretty awesome. Like we really, we love ourselves very much and we, (laughs) we love what we do. Um, and we love connecting with you, but I think what we're really finding is that teachers are desperate for professional development coming from a place of the, what the podcast is honesty experience and other teachers having gone through it and sharing their best practices and how research and theory and all these things that sound really good when you read them in the book, how do they actually look inside our classrooms and how do we manage that alongside 
living an actual life as a human with families and obligations and things to do. Right. And as many of you know, we do bring things to you in real time. Like we, we really both are full-time classroom teachers. We really both have two little kids. We really both live this life every day. And in a lot of ways, we want to show that a, it's possible to love what you do and to be stressed out by it. And all of these things can live in duality all at the same time. Nothing's in a vacuum. Yeah. And here's the process, right? Like this is what we yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is how, and this is how we do it together. Right. Cause I think that's, that's really, I think where the podcast comes in is like my friendship with Marie, you know, Marie is on my phone. She's my podcast. I listen to every day and, um, you know, but it's true. And I think community and conversation about what we do is a important part of keeping us going. Um, without that, I think teaching can be incredibly isolating and, um, burnout is even more imminent when you don't have, um, someone to lean on. So hopefully we're your someone to lean on whenever you need us. And, uh, we appreciate everyone who's shared reviews. I think in our first year, we've got about 115 reviews on the podcast, which we are grateful for almost every single one. The, uh, the one star review from that one person was a little, a little uncalled for. Like, Let's I'm be so sorry. You're having such a bad day. My word. <laughs> like, like be honest, but like, really? Like I, I would give a podcast it. one star if like it didn't work. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, it, it all kind of goes back to like <laughs> teacher, teachers get run pretty stinking ragged. So like any this little thing, right? <laughs> so teachers get run pretty st- stinking ragged and we don't have a whole lot of space and room to <laughs> people because we're in such a public light, like in our classrooms, in our communities, just on yes. our campuses, we are the face of education towards other people's babies. So we yes. don't have a lot of grace. And, and I mean, I think over the past year, we've really learned that we don't have a lot of space to mess up. And so being able to mess up in front of each other is so invaluable, yeah. right? To be able yep. to do that. I, I look at that one-star review and I'm like, damn, did you spill coffee on yourself while driving? Like what kind of a bad thing did possibly. you have yeah. person? I am so sorry for that. But also maybe find another way without tearing somebody down to like express it. And yeah. But, but we found our people. We know who you are. People, you people forever. are our people. We people are your people. People, people. Let's cue the music. Let's do it. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, a podcast for educators challenging the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a high school English teacher in Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm also a high school English teacher in Southern California. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, we want to talk you through like back to our first three episodes. We kind of want to do a throwback and we want to talk about the things of this year that we have done that were brave and the brave things that it took (laughs) for us to survive this year. Uh, We want to talk about the new things that we've tried, the new things that have gone well, the new things that have not gone so well. And then of course, just a general reflection on teaching and what this year has taught us about our practice and the things that we want to hold on to moving forward. So Marie, I would say for me this year in terms of bravery, um, 
there have been a lot. Um, two that come to mind, I would say like there's one kind of personal and one curriculum wise. Um, I, I pushed really hard this year to um, add a new novel to our curriculum. So those of you guys who have been following us for a while, you might know this, but um, our, our curriculum's pretty uh, tired, maybe is a polite way of putting it. It's dried out. It's, it's, it's yeah, it needs a change. It It needs a a, change. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a long way to go. Um, but I did, I did kind of make the suggestion and the move and the push, uh, that we would embrace, uh, English three as not American literature, um, but as English three and, and not be tied to a theme. And so with that push, um, I tried to open up the door to some new texts and I did have, a new novel approved and we, we ran it. We, we taught a thousand splendid sons this year. And it was the first thing we did right out the gate and it was not perfect, but it was such a beautiful story to share with students. And I, it took a lot of bravery on my end to kind of put myself out there, advocate for a book that was pretty tough. I mean, there's a lot of tough scenes in that book. There are a lot of people who could complain about it. Um, but I, I put myself out there and really advocated for a new voice in our curriculum, something that was outside of the U S because although American lit was what junior year was American lit was pretty much the only thing we were reading for all four years. Um, so anyway, that was a big one and I'm really proud of that. And I want to continue that in the future. Um, this year also forced me to be brave talking to administrators. Um, as you guys know too, I'm relatively new in my district and I'm pretty brave talking to you all, but I do get shy talking to admin. I do get shy and a little nervous when we have to have hard conversations, but this year, um, was a breaking point (laughs) in a lot of, uh, good ways, bad ways, frustrating and angry ways. Um, but I did finally get to a point where I was able to have several, very unfiltered conversations with our building uh, principal and other people who were willing to give me the floor. Um, I don't know that they made any difference, but I had them. And I feel like being able to share my voice honestly with a principal, like that was a big deal for me at a new school. Well, and the conversations made a difference for you and Correct. you, right? Like they, they helped you not just know like, oh, I do have a voice. You've always had a voice, but I know what you mean. There's a lot. My, my brave moment kind of echoes what you're talking about in some ways, like <clears throat> being a female, being, I don't feel that young, but I am still in my thirties. I'm going to hold on to it for as long as I can. Uh, I'm younger, right? And I've worked at my school for most of my career. And a lot of my colleagues I'm finding out still think of me as the 22, 23 year old who just got started, who has all the energy in the world and is bright eyed, bushy tailed, gets mistaken for students, even though it's been a minute. I've had a couple babies, right? Like, yep. <laughs> I am not that same just postgraduate anymore. But because other people saw me that way, I saw myself that way. And I had a really hard time like saying, well, here are things that I think should be happening. Like, okay, let's take, for example, one of the, I didn't really reflect on it as, as brave as it was until it actually happened. And then I was like, holy crap, somebody said yes to me. I um, advocated for myself to get a teach, uh, like a special assignment. I'm a TOSA teacher on special assignment, which I think is an acronym everywhere. Yeah. Everybody? Never heard of it. Okay. Excellent. So teacher on special assignment. Tosa. Um, 
And I have a special assignment that it revolves around equity and inclusion on our campus. And I'm still really developing exactly what that entails. And it wasn't a position until I said, we want to do this work. I am happy to help spearhead doing this work regarding equity and inclusion on our campus, but I need some time. I'm going to need a pullout period. I'm going to need some funding. I'm going to need some stuff. And like I stood up to our brand, our poor principal is brand new this year. (laughs) He came into, he still hasn't met like a good chunk of our staff in person, right? Like that's, that is the world in which we live, which is just so strange. Um, And I just said, here's what I need, like over a Zoom call. I was like, here's what I want to do. It doesn't have to be me. Our school needs this. No one else is saying they want to do it. Therefore, I am happy to take the reins. Like, do I think that I'm an expert in all things equity and inclusion? No, no one is. But hopefully I can be in touch with the right people and find the places to look, blah, 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 blah. And I said, but we need this, we need this, we need this. And if it's going to work, I need to teach one prep. I need to, right? And I put myself out there in a way that I have never done before to an administrator, to any boss, period. And after they actually said yes, I was like, oh my God, that works. (laughs) (laughs) Is this what all the men have been talking about? Like, why don't you just say what you want? I say what I want all the time and I'm called emotional, you know, like, holy crap, that actually happened. I actually have this little position for myself that's like still developing so that I didn't realize just how outside of my, I'm quite outspoken. I'm pretty extroverted, but outside of my comfort zone, that really was because I'm used to that not even being in my realm of possibility. That's amazing. Making a job for myself. And I'm sure that's how a lot of people felt and feel. Education also can feel like like you're just stuck, right? It can feel like a cell that you're stuck in as a classroom teacher sometimes because of all of the things like our years of service only count some places, blah, 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 blah. There is no real bargaining in public education for a salary. There is all of these things that happen in the private sector don't happen in the public education world. So when I hear other people talk about like, Oh yeah, well I just talked to my boss and then I got a raise. I was like, (laughs) you could look at my salary online if you wanted to, I'll tell you what step in class I am there. You know what I make, right? Like it's this like strange duality that we live in. But um, so that was one thing. And then the other brave thing is being, a white upper middle class female from the suburbs of San Diego. I, I don't know if this is brave so much as I just have to check myself a lot when it comes to learning about equitable practices, inclusive practices yes. in a classroom in as a human being, like, you know, there's always the intent is always positive. And I, I've just learned, I'm, I've, I have learned and am learning so much but that's not enough. It then has to become modeling. It has to be put into practice, right? So there's a lot of like putting yourself out there that has to happen when you're trying to also find ways to train a whole staff in equitable and inclusive practices. <laughs> there's a lot, but. that So that actually perfectly segues into what's new for me. Um, and, and I think we can continue that conversation. So if we've, if we've got brave, we've got new and being brave means kind of being in the new, right? Like that's kind of, that's a really important, these things are all connected in so many intimate ways. Um, And I would say new for me came in summer of 2020. Um, In the summer of 2020, I heard for the first time the term anti-racist. 
That had never once occurred to me. I am 35 years old. Uh, also a, a white woman living in a suburban area. Um, it had never occurred to me. And uh, that summer challenged me, I mean, continues, right? This continues to challenge me uh, in so many ways. And, and so part of that work led me to a couple of new books. Um, and one of, one of which that really was, was helpful for me in that process of learning what it meant to be anti-racist as a human, but also as a teacher building curriculum, right? Like building curriculum, Marie and I talk about all the time is foundational in this conversation. Curriculum is what we say to our community, our parents, our students, what we value, what we value for the content, the skill, all of that. It, it's, it is a unwritten, well, it's written, <laughs> uh, you know, the, it, it, the kids don't see that document or what that looks like every day, but it's what we're following. And it's not always lined up with the principles that it should be. And so for me, I read um, Letting Go of Literary Whiteness over the summer. And one of the new practices that I've been implementing this year has been um, the direct conceptual teaching of anti-racist terminology for students. Like we have talked about, well, what is intersectionality? right? We've talked about that. Um, we've talked about what privilege looks like, not just white privilege, but privilege period. Um, and how that, how that comes up. Um, so, so direct teaching of terminology has been a very, very, um, productive and helpful way of having anti-racist conversations because we're all starting from a definition and, and that's been really, really cool. And then taking that term and applying it to what we're reading, you know, taking, intersectionality. I mean, man, we're going to, we take that through so many different units. I mean, we, we looked at that in our lit circle unit. Um, you know, so things like that, that that's been new for me and also really productive. So absolutely. All the, I mean, you think about right. Being, especially uh, being a human through the 2020, 2021 year is you were doing all sorts of new things. Being a teacher, my gosh, I, I can now run a zoom call like a freaking pro, right? Like no questions. Don't get flustered. Something shuts down. I know exactly what to do. Blah, 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 blah. That all. Absolutely. I feel like though, the things that I'm really noticing that were so completely outside of my comfort zone are things that are outside of the education, direct education world through brave new teaching. I have learned a lot about business. I have tried new things when it comes to creating content, like creating the teacher PD that you and I are talking about curriculum rehab, our Shakespeare teacher festival, and learning the best ways that these things that we've made, like we know they're good, right? Like pat on our back, whatever we know, we know, we know what we're doing. We know that we have developed our craft in a way that we can talk to other people, whether they're kids or other teachers and help them understand what it is that we're saying, but then learning how to package that so that it can help more people, so that it can get to people I never would reach in my little corner of the world over here in San Diego. That has been a whole learning process. And it's because I had to learn business. I had to learn the basics of marketing. I think I was just afraid of like calling something marketing, right? Like, well, let's, let's, what's a marketing plan for curriculum rehab? Because it just feels as somebody who's not a quote unquote business background person, it felt really weird. And like, 
I don't know. It felt manipulative. It felt weird. But then when I really sat down and I was like, well, how the heck am I going to help a bunch of teachers if they don't know what I do? If they don't know what I have, I need to find ways to get my message to different corners of the world, to different parts of our country, to those teachers who feel so lost and alone and just don't know where to start. And like, I know I can help them. Amanda and I have a great message and we are compassionate and we get it. So like learning, that's been like one of the biggest new things I think for me has been putting aside my own hesitation when it comes to like the business world and saying, well, if my goal is to help other educators, then I, I guess I better shut up and like figure out how to do that. And, and a great way to do that is tried and true marketing strategies and business strategies to help an audience. Yeah. It's just weird to also think of ourselves that way. Right. Yeah. And I would say too, just in the spirit of, of like more, just more transparency and leveling with my friends here uh, who are listening. A new thing for me also this year was asking for help. For sure. um, <laughs> I, I finally, um, after a long time of thinking about it. I actually hired a life coach this year. Um, she's been working with me recently through, I should have, I should have hired someone or gone to a therapist much sooner, um, with helping through this year, but she has helped me tremendously, uh, shout out to Blair Wilson. If you want her information, I'll hook you up. She's been incredible. Um, and she's revealed some new things to me about me that have been very helpful, um, in understanding myself and how to best preserve my own sanity, my own, um, joy. And that's been incredible. So stepping, I guess that was, that really didn't seem brave to me. That was just new. So I would say that was something new that's been helpful. I need to affirm that that's completely brave. As a, as a big proponent of therapy who has gone through, I've put myself through quite a bit. It is extremely brave and everybody listening out there trying something new when it comes to like your own self-care and like self-learning and improvement and all of that good stuff. It is not just new, but to try that, like you said before, Amanda is so brave. It's so hard and it's so worthwhile. Yes. And I'm really proud of you, my friend. Oh, let's get corny. It's hard work. Yeah, it's oh my god. That's like not even scratching the surface of what it is, right? Yes. <laughs> Hard work. You're like, yes. And we can make six acronyms out of that. Correct. Um, shall we talk about teaching? Let's talk about teaching. What what about you, Marie? Like, what are the teaching things that you are gonna hold on to for the future? So at risk of throwing edu babble at you guys, social and emotional learning has always been at the forefront, building relationships, making students feel like they're like, like when I got into like the teacher Instagram world, I was talking about classroom community only because that has been a thing since I was that little baby, fresh faced teacher that has been what I was good at and what I was focused on. Right. A lot of the things that I used to do used all of my own energy, right. I didn't have the classroom management skills. I didn't have all of the strategies to really make that community, organic. It was all teacher driven because I I was learning. Um, And so as such, a a lot of the SEL practices or even just like mindful focus that were such a big part of my teaching practice for so long went by the wayside when I no longer had the energy to only devote to my students because I had my own babies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I've noticed in the past, well, why it's almost eight, eight years 
that there's been a drop off and that kind of a connection in my classroom. And I was like, well, is that just part of the circle of life? You know, like, is that just part? It's not. It's that I needed to find new strategies. And I need, and so part of my teaching practice has been a full circle moment to come back to when I'm building in my curriculum, when I'm designing a year long and I'm, I'm bringing in the things that matter, like you were saying, I am bringing in student connection to each other, to me, to our school community and to themselves, right? Like that is, if not more important than the content, right, right next to it. And so just, and, and it's not, it's not that hard once you start to see the places where you can do it. Am I saying anything that makes sense? I feel like that, makes, super that makes perfect sense. Oh, okay. Like I, you know how you like, I'm like, have I used a noun or have they all just been no. pronouns? Like I'm there. I, actually- I'm there. I am with you. I am. I am there with you that. And that's been really hard to do this year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, to be honest, if you guys listen, you know, a few months back, I was like, don't put me in a classroom. I don't feel safe. I'm recording from my classroom right now. We have, it's, it's an asynchronous day. Um, so there are no students on campus. They haven't been all day, obviously. And it, it took having kids in front of me for me to really start to see the ways that I could do it because I felt so lost when I was only virtual. And a lot of that, I mean, there are some teachers out there, Amanda, you connect with your kids brilliantly through the internet. I was having a really hard time doing it because I just couldn't see it. I was also seeing my own babies feel the disconnect. Right. And so all of this has really fed, like watching my second grader have the hardest time and then somehow bounce back because of his teacher, because of their community, because of things that I finally focused on. And I was like, okay, well, let's get back to what teaching really is for me. And it's helping kids build relationships and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Reading, writing, listening, speaking. Sure. But for what purpose? For the purpose of connecting with other human beings. So that's like become a big, a bigger focus once more of my teaching practice. I think that's kind of what this year did. It kind of threw everything into a sifter and it kind of, we shook it all out to is see. It a sifter or is it like a blender? And then it was like pressed and then it was put on fire and then sifted. Like let's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the metaphor where I'm trying to go is like what's left at the top again. Like it's not new, right? C- Community's not right. new, but like when we shook it all up and like we looked, we looked at it again what's on the top of the priority list. Well, there, there you have it. And what's new is the, is the, is the perspective on it. What's new is the approach to it. What's new is the The way we value it. Yes. Yes. It's a renewed, right? So maybe it's not completely new, but it's renewed and it's more infused into my teaching and my, you know, being as a teacher. A thousand percent. I mean, and I think, you know, what you're talking about that, that came to me as well. And I think when I was on fire the most with that kind of stuff was when we were in these seasons of stability, right? We've all, we've also always known that stability, um, in terms of the routines and what we provide for students, we know that that predictability, that stability is critical for community building and for learning both of those. We know kids that come from homes that are, that are not stable. Even kids who come from homes that are stable, they thrive under predictable circumstances that we provide and create in our classrooms. And that's absolutely something that was easy to do when I knew, okay, we're virtual. This is it. We're going to be virtual forever. Like, I mean, I really thought that at the beginning. So I was, we put air quotes around I knew this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Cause like, and so I was able to like dive in and be like, okay, this is the plan. I think when all of that started to fall apart was when 
school districts across the world decided they were going to just change their minds all the time and pursue these like idiotic plans of being in, out, in, out, in, out, and out. So, you know, that aside, we don't need to revisit all of the pain that that was, but I think, you know, for what you're saying, Marie, I'm with you. And I think that now that we ha- will have hopefully something stable, I think that one of the, the teaching practices that I'm going to be taking into the future that I've learned from this year I've learned a lot about discussion. I've really experimented through force <laughs> of new ways to engage kids in discussion. A lot of them have been terribly like huge failures. Um, but I the feel like you learn the most, right? Like those well, failures are necessary. Like you oh, have completely. to, right? Totally. Completely. Sorry, I to cut you off, but like, well, no, 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 yeah. no, I, I, 100%. And I think now, now I have some new things up my, up my sleeve that I can, uh, you know, during a, you know, I, I want to have discussions in person, like all the damn time now, cause I've missed them so much, but I feel like I, you know, I, I've really, I've really seen kids who are typically quiet thrive in a waterfall chat thrive in a Google Jamboard conversation. Um, kids who normally are too shy to speak when the, the loud, confident kids are speaking in class. I have new tools that I can use to make sure that their voices are validated and heard in a discussion in different ways rather than just everyone talking. So I, I feel like I knew how to do that before, but I really know how to do that now. And I think kids also know how to do it now. Well, they see, you see the, I think you always knew the value in it, but now you can see it working. Yes. And once you see it working, you go, oh, and, 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 and when kids see you seeing that and they can like recognize it for themselves, they kind of go, oh, just because I'm shy, just because I'm introverted, just because I'm having a bad day doesn't mean I can't be. And here's my voice. And here's my voice. Um, Right. Right. And here's how it's going to come out. I said, I then said like the last, the last thing, um, that comes to mind is something that's definitely going to, I'm going to carry with me in the future is just what we were talking about before we started recording is like deep breaths on novels, plot, and just being continuing to be okay with, they got enough and being more excited about the conversations that come as a result of what kids did read. So whether you're an English teacher or another teacher, we're just kind of using the content, right? Like your kids aren't going to learn every single paragraph from the textbook, or they're not going to learn every single in and out detail of whatever concept you're learning. But, you know, we're at a place now in Gatsby where I'm starting to ask kids, well, well, what are the similarities and differences between Walter from A Raisin in the Sun and Jay Gatsby? You know, where do these two guys who are relatively similar in like the historical timeline who both are really motivated by money. Like what do we learn when we put the two of them side by side? That question is a thousand times more rich than making sure kids read every single page of either the book or the play. Right. Well, that's a, hu- that's a human question. That's not a, that's not a read, repeat, r- you know, rinse, repeat. Right. That is a human critical thinking being a citizen of the planet question. And that's when we really look at what we all value. No one gets into, I hope anyways, no one I've ever talked to, we'll put that caveat, has gotten into teaching saying, I am going to teach students how to memorize the actions of Jay Gatsby. Like, why? 
but what the, what their students will remember are those conversations. What your students will remember are the parallels that they're for sure drawing text to text connections, and then they become text to world connections, and then they become text to self and world to self, right? Like that's where they start to see it all come together and all the dots connect. That's the important stuff. And the contents of vehicle. It, it is. And, and prioritizing. And like, this is what we talk about in curriculum rehab and we believe in it. And sometimes when I'm doing it, I think, uh, and then I get through the, uh, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Totally. Um, yeah. I hope everybody it's hard. Knows, like we doubt ourselves all the freaking time. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. That's why you have to have a community. That's why you got to have connections and places to go. And like, um, yeah, to, to be like, no, you're doing literally the thing that you keep teaching. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, yeah. This is how but, it works. But it's still, oh, yeah. it's still a very like counterintuitive process. You know, I think a lot of English teachers specifically, I can speak to that experience. I think we're raised and trained to think that the novel is king. Um, and, and the conversation yeah. is like a, a, an extra. And the conversation is everything, and the novel is there to spur it, but that's not, that's not where the learning happens. The conversation is the process, is the is learning, the learning. Is, it is it all. Yes. One ring to rule them all is the conversation. True. And getting there and inquiry, asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. That is and teaching them how to ask questions. That yeah. will go on forever and ever and ever into the future. And it will continue to evolve and be hard and be easy and be great and be weird and just going to keep doing it. Yeah. You know what? We're also going to keep doing this, these conversations, so. this podcast. And we hope that you all stay along for the ride. Um, we have had a wonderful time reflecting today and just like looking back and it, Hopefully for you all, it has been what it has been for us, which is just very reaffirming. And it's like a refreshing, sometimes we don't want to look back, especially at like the hard stuff and the year's been hard. And so Amanda and I kind of put off recording this for like a month. (laughs) And then we finally sat down and we were like, you know what? There's been a lot of good. Let's sit back and look back at it and look at the bad and look at the good and look at every, all the gray in between. Right. Um, And it's been, I feel like now I can like actually go into my weekend and feel like, ah, I actually do feel better. I was kind of cranky this morning. Very cathartic. Very cathartic. I mean, I definitely need another cup of coffee because hello, it's me, but hello. So it's been a good one. And friends, I started to hint at it earlier on in this episode, but we are reopening the doors to curriculum rehab imminently. So please make sure you head to the show notes. If anything that we've said, like curriculum wise strikes a chord with you and you're interested, take a look, find out some information. We also have our masterclass down with the reading quiz, which is all, which is free. And it's all about like, it's basically the only formative assessments you'll ever need or the types of formative assessments you'll ever need ever, no matter your content, check it out. It will revolutionize your classroom the same way that has ours and thousands of others. It's true. That's what we have to say. Head to the show notes. And uh, we encourage you to think about the things that you have done this year that were brave, the new things you tried, and how that has shaped or affected or just filtered your teaching. There's and, a lot and to be learned. Yeah. This, this concludes episode 55. We are over halfway to 100, Marie. So exciting. And I cannot wait 
for what is to come. We're going to take a little break. We have some reruns coming your way starting next week. They are, we just went through literally and looked at our analytics on the podcast. What are the most listened to episodes? And we're going to bring those ones back. And then some other ones that may have gotten buried in the shuffle of like holiday season or, but things that are pretty popular and like very current topics They will be coming your way and then we will be right back to you with fresh content, new interviews with voices that we have not heard before, maybe even revisiting some friends that we have had on before and doing everything we can to help you all be brave, try new things and all things teaching. And we can't wait. Thanks for sticking around and we would love a review from you. And if, if you need to give us one star, I I don't know if you would actually have made it to the end of this episode, if you hated us that much. So I'm hoping. (laughs) Uh, we goes that far that you're gonna listen to these two voices when you can't stand it i mean okay <laughs> we love your honest we love your honest <laughs> reviews i'm not here to, to to tell you what to say but if you have a problem send me an email um no you guys are the best thank you for listening we'd love to hear from you uh as always and thanks for sticking around and and being our people and we will see you guys very soon bye bye